Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Work Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. These are two of the right people. <laughs> here in the Metro Phoenix area, please welcome to the studio Saul Sutton with Lex Scale. He is the president and founder. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So thrilled to have you. And Nathan Harris, the founder of Lux Group. Welcome, sir. Thank you. All right. You got some big things coming up. And we have Jesse Ray to thank uh, for our introduction with the Growth House and Immersion. Let's have you both start by talking about your respective businesses, what's going on right now, and then the connection between the two of you. Because I know it goes a ways back. <laughs> Would you like to start for us all? Yeah, so um, I'm the founder and president of a Christian growth strategy consulting firm called Let's Scale. Really, we develop customized growth strategies for our clients uh, based on their objectives, um, placing C-level executives in the organization to act as a guide. You know, someone has proven experience to get them along the road on a journey faster than they would without us, usually around seven to nine-figure companies. So people kind of go from good to great with an established brand. So so what we do, and so really it's a vehicle to serve. Excellent. And how long have you been at Let's Scale? I know you've done a lot of things in your lifetime. Hopefully, we'll have a chance to pepper our conversation with some of those experiences. But how about Let's Scale? I established a business back in February like 12th of 2019. because I'm from consulting on my own. I have a background in logistics and supply chain um, from when I helped uh, launch Amazon Delivery Service some a while back. Um, but I spent about two years, about a year or so, working on like the branding and the vision to, to really do uh, deliver how I do now. Um, but in that, in that time, I know I'm a co-founder of a growth uh, venture-funded um, staffing company with my brother, uh, Nathan, who was next to me. So that was really my primary focus. And then uh, during COVID, you know, the business grew exponentially. And uh, we, we switched to enterprise, so it gave me time to really focus on this and uh, start business another way. And then uh, COVID really showed me that you know, a lot of businesses lack resilience. And uh, you know, we had the skills and the resources to help them uh, in those tough times. So it kind of really you know, kicked the business uh, back off during that time and we had to help quite a few people. Very good. Thank you. And how about Nathan? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've got on your plate right now. Yeah, I mean, so my name is Nathan Harris, and this is my, my big brother here. Uh, what me and my brother do is it's unique is because he, we both have two really different identities, but we complement each other so much. So, like, I'm, like, a creative visionary. Like, I try to, like, change the world and mold things, but then there's so many things that need to hold that up, and it's a good foundation, right? And Saul's always been my foundation. So, like, when we look at businesses, like, I'm the, I'm the one that wants to build all the craziness, and he's the one that always puts the foundation in place. So... When he did Let's Scale, I went into Lux Group, and a lot of what I do is similar size companies, but mostly focused on experiential uh, design, hospitality, growth strategies, um, working with a lot of celebrity clients. Um, so it's a it's a lot of fun, but we both do the same thing in each business that we operated. We just have different names for those businesses. Yeah, so your visit today preceded you because we talked about you the last time <laughs> you were here, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I think several times we were having all these random shout-outs for you. Not me because I hadn't met you yet, but I know Jesse and uh, Nathan did that quite a bit. So your brothers— Mm -hmm. From the beginning of time. <laughs> yep. So tell us about the early days, uh, and specifically, how do you think that that led to to who you are today? So we were raised by um, a single mom. You know, she uh, really put us first and left Chicago where there wasn't much for her and went to Wisconsin where we were originally from. But I guess the biggest thing she gave us was, uh, well, two things. One, like, you know, my brother is the you know, greatest gift I've ever gave me, but also that relationship with God, which, you know, really— 
put in my heart, you know, just to be a really good guy and servant to him, right? So I've always been, you know, never went to really Bella's phase, but it's like trying to be positioning myself to never do anything my brother didn't want to do and kind of lead by example, right? I think um, I've always been big on focus more on who I'm being than what I'm doing. Um, and then, uh, you know, and it, it was actually good for me, right? So it helped put me in a position where, well, I am now where I kind of have like a service mentality and really just position myself to just, you know, be an example, you know, which, which requires like sacrifice. But when you see how it's impacting others, it's worth it. So it's, it's something that kind of inspired me. And I think my relationship, and my mom also, you know, a single mom, she didn't have all the all the resources, and everything. So she really positioned us and connected us with people who could be those guys, right? And I kind of apply that in my business today. Like, you know, you don't have to know everything. I think the, I think moms are the highest level of entrepreneur, right? You know, it's not business because of, um, and uh, Nathan put a, a publication out about that, because of all the things that they handle. And I think a true entrepreneur is not a leader. It's a guide, right? Just someone who's experienced and knows the way and knows how to bring all the things together um, beyond just, you know, being a leader and like handling the vertical. So that's kind of, you know, how my, been my philosophy and mindset at a young age, you know, and our, our mind concept that foundation. So mm-hmm. I'm already teary-eyed, and that doesn't usually <laughs> happen until we're well into a conversation. Being a fairly new single parent to a 15-year-old, mm-hmm. I hear you. And every day I strive to be a great example for him. And I'm fortunate with Max 6 uh, community as well as Phoenix Business Radio X, my business, to be mm-hmm. able to be thinking ahead. He wants to be an engineer. He's playing baseball. He's wrestling. Who can I put in his sphere? Oftentimes male-wise, since he doesn't have a dad who's active mm-hmm. with us, mm-hmm. to have him have those experiences. So thank you for being a living example and and you know giving mom uh, mm-hmm. that credit where credits credits due. In addition to obviously the Holy Spirit, which not a lot of people do uh, in the in the business setting. And I know that's really you guys are loud uh, about that and and are led in that way. So thank you for for bringing all of you today. Yeah. yeah. And how about you? The early days. The early days, I was the rebellious one. Really? <laughs> no wonder why he had to set a great example. It's yeah, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was rebellious. So I, I, for some reason, my identity, like, is is very much like I was intelligent enough, but not disciplined enough, right? And a lot of it came from how I viewed problems. Until I viewed problems a different way, like my life didn't change. And um, crazy thing, it was honestly my brother. Like, he made so many sacrifices for me. And I realized, like, hey, if I don't get my shit together, he's never going to leave me. So um, I got my shit together. And then from there, I saw my mom in the same way. Like, as me and my brother would grow and do better and better and better, she became more independent and and leaned less on us. And, like, and it just kind of motivated us to just build and be better and better and better. So something clicked in my head. I was like, wait, so if we can really put together the right resources and the right mindset and the right people, which is our family, we can— change generational curses we can make pain be a little bit less a little bit less stress for everybody in our bloodline if we make this sacrifice today ourselves it's going to impact the next generation of our people and that is the only way to break like kind of uh i guess the family curse yes so that's why it motivated me to want to start businesses versus going to college and i didn't know if i was going to be good at it which it wasn't until honestly like five years ago i think they don't even know if i'm good at now but like at the same time you got to build something so that's been my motivation i was like man my sacrifices, my work, and my grind can change lives. So that's what I've been focused and motivated on. It's not a money motivation. It's a family motivation. So that's what you kind of see with our businesses and everything we do. It's like our best friends, our, our business partners, our families, our business partners. We just stick to that and keep good values um, in everything that we do. So 
it's been a crazy journey as to like how your your early sacrifices and pain can also be mm. like your future like promises. Like it's it's really crazy. It's kind of designed that way, isn't it? Right? If we're paying attention, it's designed that way that the, the difficulties and the challenges mm-hmm. that we have become our triumphs. The pain is your teacher. That's right. And then we have we have the opportunity to share that story, which is clearly what the two of you are doing. May I ask the age difference between the two of you? Two years. Two years. Is it just two years? We were supposed to have the same birthday, but I came out early. Didn't have it. <laughs> like, please, one week apart. You were hoping for that. My mom. My mom was hoping Yo, it bet. wasn't. Yeah, she was like, oh. please, like, the, the day is scheduled. Cause be scheduled yeah, and so when, when is it? August 5th, and he's the 13th. How, so my older two are both August uh Two years and 10 days apart, the 11th and the 21st. That's yeah. Funny. <laughs> yeah. And then I got another one who's July. But uh, yeah, interesting. My mom's July. She's the 26th. So okay. our birthdays are seven days back to back, back. Well, hopefully, mom's listening or <laughs> yeah. will be listening. And uh, we're grateful for her Hell for yeah. sure because you guys are, are knocking out of the park. And you have this incredible community. Uh, there, it sounds like there's a close group that kind of hovers right here. But the way in which you show up in the world, you really um, are growing a following and a community. And it's pretty phenomenal. Nathan, talk a little bit about Lux Group specifically, and then I want to really focus on Let's Scale as well. I mean, Lux Group is really uh, us, you know? It's like we've all been grinding and building for so long, and we've met so many amazing people. Like, the investors in our technology company are some of the biggest in the world, publicly traded companies. People have built companies that built the foundation in our community. And and you look at like uh, hospitality deals you do or anything that we do, we're a lot, we realize that our people around us, we can accomplish literally anything. Like our partners, our members, my brother and everybody, it's like, all right, why don't we turn this into a collective where we collectively combine our resources to move each person's business faster forward and also being able to dictate the culture of our community. Because like people don't realize when you create a business, it's not just a wealth machine, it's a culture creator. Because when you drive down the street, the people that invest in the street are the ones that define it. So I think that really, like with Lux Group, it's how do we bring all of us together, keep helping pour more resources into each other, and then magic just starts to happen. So that's where we've we've gone. On the outside, it looks like, oh, they do a lot of events. That's just our celebration. Um, The day-to-day grind is us passing business to each other. Lux Group, our foundation for community, started probably back in like 2005 with the jump off. (laughs) (laughs) So it was our first little go at a... Uh, we also hosted entertainment and like experiences, and uh, I don't know. Nate told you either. He used to do like uh, competitive breakdancing in like high school, right? And, no, I have not yeah. heard yeah, that before. You know, Let a, me clear the table. So, um, but the whole point was like, I um, always had a desire to build communities, right? And like I said, Nathan was always through experiences, uh, and you can see like that started really young. But then as he, but with those relationships allowed him to do things like you know with the things Super Bowl and now with like a. Uh, Lux Fest, you know, bringing over like 10,000 people together in downtown Phoenix. But it started, like I said, really in high school, really early. And then obviously it takes time and a journey to understand how to, you know, how the business process to make it successful. But uh, yeah, so that's where it started. So it's really cool to see where that is now, uh, over a decade later, from like just trying to be entrepreneurial um, in high school. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to go back to something you said when kind of we opened and you were talking about um, focusing more on who you're being than what you're doing. I think that was you that said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you expand on that a little bit? What What does that mean to you? Yeah. So, when, I mean, for me, um, focus on who I'm being is really just uh, focus on like, God, who God you know, wanted me to be, right? Focus on those seeds he planted and like really blossoming there, right? And then focusing on like what I'm doing is really just the work, the grind. It's really... To me, more so, like, you know, success comes with that. But I think success, you know, without, like, you know, guiding it to me just leads to sorrow at some point, right? It's always been pretty successful throughout my mm-hmm. career. 
But then I went to this position where, like, you know, God took those things away from me as far as the next step. Because, I mean, and I was like, oh, my God, I don't have any value. I don't know what I should be doing, which is really selfish to me, right, with all the things I had around me. Because my everything was, identity was packed into those goals. And I, and I was a good person, and people were successful. But the problem was, um, I focused on who I was being. I got empathy. I started looking at people and working on the work people who could, not, not just because they could do something for me, help me hit a goal. And I started focusing on more on uh, the significance, right? which led me to really get to know people and, and know how to serve and, and what to say yes and no to, um, which actually made me better at business. You know, business to me is, uh, it, it's really, it's, you really can't separate your personal life from your business life, right? It's like wor- worship, right? It all goes together. And I think that uh, it actually made me more successful um, and it gave me more joy and more peace. And then also like, you know, being open with who I am, transparent, it made more people want to connect with me uh, in general and also help me just, like, analyze, like, how to show up for them. And when you serve like that, I think it just opens a lot of doors. So I started focusing on, like, who am I? Who am I like, Who am I being versus what I'm doing? And then uh, and that, a lot of that required me to ask my community, like, how are you seeing me? How, how, how's our relationship, my relationship with you? Or, and I'm really just serving, serving over a certain mentality and just about the goals and the grind. So that's really, you know, how, what it is to me. Thank you. I remember, too, when you and I did a pre-call, it's been a while, uh, you were telling me a little bit about your experiences um, when you were employed and how you kind of became a leader by default <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that that part of your life? Because I really think it lends well into what's going on with Let's Scale, and I would like our listeners to know who you were when you were kind of just, I know you're always learning and growing. I clearly hear that from both mm-hmm. of you, but tell us a little bit about that that journey as an employee. Yeah, so, I mean, really that whole uh, entrepreneurial spark, that leadership spark, came when I was, like, 14 years old. I came home one day, and mom was like, yeah, I got a job for you. I'm like, okay, like, you know, I wanted to work, I wanted to make money. Um, and it was a Chick-fil-A. And what a lot of people don't know is they do a lot of leadership and development, right? First John Maxwell books, more than just taking orders. And also, you know, it challenged me. It gave me opportunity to push myself a little further and, like, you know, be a little team leader at that age was cool. Didn't know what it was going to turn into later in life. It was that foundation where I was like, okay, I like being in this position where I can serve other people and and innovate and kind of touch a lot of different things. And then I ended up, you know, getting my degree in supply chain operations management. Um, never was great at school, but I, I just have discipline and consistency to start what I finish. And, uh, but actually, I actually got blessed to find a career I really uh, liked and en- liked and enjoyed. From there, you know, I went to an opportunity where I was working on running a pretty large chemical manufacturing company um, out of college uh, as a trainee originally. Where I got to oversee my first, like, about 103 different people. Um, I had my main functional job, but uh, at every job, I always kind of create my own opportunities to innovate. And, like, I kind of go in there looking for the things that people don't want to do and the things that require collaboration. I kind of own that, right? And then I just try and solve the problem as soon as possible. And what that really did is, uh, one, it made me more valuable, but also showed me where my strengths and weaknesses were. Because you nothing great is ever done by yourself, right? Um, and also, sometimes you got to negotiate, like, you know, and, uh, and, and to get things done. And a lot of people don't go into an environment like thinking like that. So while I was there, you know, I made it to the senior level at that job in about two and a half years. But because of chemical manufacturing, it wasn't much opportunity to innovate. So I was kind of like, you know, not, like not getting what I was fully looking for. So, and they were, it's a great company. But then someone reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, hey, um, during this time, someone handed my resume over and I was in Seattle and I got the opportunity I have now. Would you be interested? And I was like, sure. So I handed my resume over, fast forward, get the job there and I had the opportunity to launch um, Amazon Delivery Service at its inception, and no one knew what we were supposed to do. We had goals, so we got to kind of innovate and invent anything, everything we needed from there. And because of what I did in the beginning, I was able to really just find endless projects and ways to grow and kind of scale in that organization. Um, you know, I still was working with my brother 
uh, during our startup, but launched about four sites there um, during my time. And then I started in Boston, relocated here to Arizona. But I think the, I was always an entrepreneur, right? So, and I think the only, the big difference is, um, and that's the thing I had a, a tough lesson to learn when I went, when I decided to resign from Amazon in 2018 to uh, go full-time with um, our staffing company <laughs> was that some people aren't even entrepreneurial in the business, but when you are, it's, it's the problems are so clear. You have a lot of resources, right? And then I think when you become an entrepreneur, you got to really figure out a lot more of where you should spend your time and what you should and shouldn't do and, and kind of a plan of how, like, what to hand off so you can work on outside the business sooner to scale. Um, I think it's what makes you more of a serial entrepreneur. So really, I think um, that's really, like, for me, like, the leadership and kind of the mindset I've always had is uh, really just being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur inside of a business and looking for the opportunities to have people, to build community. Um, and that's how you, that's really the way how, how I've been successful is uh, people around me and, uh, and then them believing in me. That's how you can break and exceed numbers because people come there and they enjoy who they work with and also uh, that you're working to promote them, put them in a position where they're successful. So I think that really ties into what we do now is because of that journey, I was able to build such a powerful community behind me. Um, that's why I'm able to say yes and say we can solve some of these problems because it's not just me. Um, so that's really, you know, what, how, how I kind of evolved into where we are now. Mm-hmm. Great. Tell me a little bit more about your evolution. I'm, I'm stuck on breakdancing. <laughs> I know that's been forever ago. When you hear your brother share about his um, evolution, tell me a little bit about yours from those early years where you were a little bit of the, you didn't say rebel. What's the word that you used? I was the prodigal son, yeah. I call it. <laughs> okay, the prodigal. Tell me about the prodigal son, those, uh, those middle years. Yeah, the middle years for me was... Um, there's one tattoo in my body and it's strength and adversity, right? So, like, I literally had to understand how to turn those things into the one from the other. And um, the turning point was just, all right, like, let me just grind and give the best effort and then see where I land. And once I started giving best effort, I started getting kind of addicted to, like, defining my mindset. So I would listen to, like, Lewis, like, like Lewis Howell's books. I would listen to the Tony Robbins speeches every single morning because the first thing I needed to do was to program my mind to, to fight through the, the, the shadows. And once I got through, like, the fog, that's when I started realizing, okay, like, what makes me happy and rank those things? And also, what am I putting my time into? And I realized I was putting more time into... One, I had to make money, which is a deadbeat job at $7 an hour. It doesn't really know how far it's going to take me. But that was taking most of my time. And the things I was happiest don't were taking like the least. So I figured out, how do you flip it? How do I slowly start to not lose money, but also do what I'm happy doing? Well, then in order to do more of what I'm happy doing, I got to figure out how to take my passion and turn it into a profit. Hmm. So then I realized that. So passion, purpose, profit. So I started going after it. Dance at the time was it. Uh, push dance, and I realized all right, I got hurt. But with dance, I didn't just like dancing. I liked dancing because it created an experience for someone else, and it made them feel something. So, all right, well, I'll just focus on the events. Went deeper into the events, and then from the events, I needed to get people there for them to be worth it. Well, then I guess I got to learn how to market. So then I started marketing, and then the iPhone came out, and then all of a sudden— Social media came out. There were no ads then. You're like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, all right, I get this stuff. I'm going to be the, I'm gonna, I like this. Now I can tell a story even when people don't see me. Yes. So I can, so I started building stories. And when it really hit like the inflection point is I basically made Michael Jackson's thriller for my Halloween party. So like I made a short 12 minute film for one of my first really large events and it took over the city and thousands of people showed up. And today that area is in Milwaukee Bucks Deer District. That wasn't oh there gosh. then. It was just a vacant lot. 
in an old building. So like I transformed all of these things and changed the culture of the city. And I'm like 21. So, and uh, by through the, music and dance and, and relationships, culture, and, building yes. and building. And I just built up this identity of our own experiences in, in my city as a creator, mm-hmm. right? Not just as a dancer, I'm a creator. So, then once I established that, people started leaning in, started trusting. And that's when I realized that this is what I need to do. So, I leaned in deeper than that, though. I also had an analytic mind from watching Saul inspired me to want to do like a supply chain. I was working at UPS at the time. Yes. So, I'm loading semi trucks, dancing, and promoting at the same time. And then I became a supervisor at UPS. So, I've always had like three jobs. It's kind of crazy. But we did, that's what happened in my evolution. It was like, all right, I need to lean in and turn my love into, a, into something that I do every single day. So now, like, as I get into the different careers and things that I've done, I realize I'm doing the same thing. Is I'm creating communities through experiences, experiences inside the workplace with ease, experiences outside of the workplace, and the stuff we're doing with the tech council. All of these things are me just trying to impact culture. My main thing, I finally think I figured it out last year. Um, I got selected to be on the advisory board for UC Riverside for uh, their Design Thinking Institute. So I'm like, wait, that's what I am. I'm a design thinker. And with an understanding of capital. So that's that was my evolution. But it took me, you know, 18 years to figure it out. <laughs> but it's Only okay. 18, though, really. Yeah, like, let's like be realistic. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Because, you know, I'm, I'm 58. Mm-hmm. I'm on the way on the other side of yeah. this. And I'm, like, looking back thinking, oh, wow, I got to get going. So thank goodness you're, yeah. you're right where you are. Yeah, it's been great. And, I, and I'm just grateful that it's... We're all together on the journey. So good. And no one doesn't change. No, and I, I, um, I'm remembering now your connection with Arizona Technology Council. Mm-hmm. So speak to that for a few moments because Steve and I do his co-host yeah, show together. Yeah, so I mean, my work with them is really great because it's more of them tapping into like the same thing, design thinking. The yeah. council is so great, doing a lot of fun things, but how do we innovate? How do we continue to grow that culture and tap into our generation that may not know, be aware of it? Mm-hmm. So we're working on some fun stuff, on some good committees. Um, we're going to have... Um, a form of opportunity coming really, really soon that we're going to announce with some really large enterprises that creates connection between startups and these enterprises that want to work with them. So a lot of large companies have problems, but they need design thinkers that come in. So you can't typically innovate uh, an organization with just the people within it. If you look at Mm -hmm. those three horizons of growth, and that's where people like me and Saul come in, whether you need one type of consultant or anything you need. We bring that external teams in that can really innovate with that. So that's a lot of why I like working with a variety of organizations from tech to hospitality. They all have the same problems. Mm-hmm. I love you kind of gave me a segue for my next question for both of you. And that is, um, why is it so important to work with a proven consultant as you grow your business? That's all going to answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just kind of, you yeah. just like planted the seed and go. Yeah, I mean, um, that's, uh, something I'm really, really, really big on, right? And that's uh, Nathan as well, too, is uh, people go over popular over proven. And popular always, over proven. Yeah, you want to go proven over popular. So, like, I mean, like, just take two seconds to see what someone's done before they work with you, right? Not mm-hmm. just that they inspire you. And, and what popular person has actually ever changed anybody's life right. through social media or anything? No one, never. It doesn't happen. So I think when you look for proven people who are, are close to you, are in your local area that it's gonna you can and also you know you, and they, they should be able to tell you how they can help you right mm-hmm. and really act as a guy like I said um, and I think too often people have good intentions um, but they try and sell something that they they haven't done themselves or can't deliver on right it's different if you've mastered something and you're trying to innovate in a different in that space some more but I think the problem is um, usually a little earlier on in business that you know people might get a little six figures and then but everyone's trying to get a piece of that 
um, because they read like a self-help book or, or something, right? And they feel qualified. But you're not qualified until you've had success, right? right. Or, um, and, you know, deliver results. And, and that means just putting the time and the work in, right? I mean, Nathan, entrepreneurial is not to escape a nine to five. It's because we have big things in this world we want to solve and support. And those things allow us to live um, a lifestyle and, and have joy, but also keep us pushing when the times are, are tough. And then, you know, I say most of the time, you're going to lack motivation most of the time, right? Discipline and consistency when you lack motivation is, is the key to success. So I think it's so important to, like, take the time, the one, know yourself, where you're trying to go. And it's, it's tough sometimes for earlier on entrepreneurs. Um, there's always some data there, but they don't know what to look for. Um, I think, and later on, I think, you know, at the stage where a lot of our clients kind of have clear objectives of what they're trying to accomplish. But they, we, they come with clear objectives or you help them define them? Well, so they come with some clear objectives. We help improve them, right? Help them go from good to great. Because uh, there's things that our consultants know that they don't. So, for example, the people we're bringing to organizations, you know, this place a fractional um, COO, one of my clients, probably don't, a couple million dollars in a men's e-commerce company. This guy's running a $1.2 billion organization, right? But he has the bandwidth, and we do the fun stuff, right? We focus on the strategy and the growth. And the effort to impact is like the effort's low for him because he already has the, the proven success and the models he needs. It's a matter of giving it to our, consult, our client in a way where, one, he can implement it and get results from it, and uh, meeting them at his stage relevance. And I think mm. the people we're working with are, have far beyond where our clients have gone. They could they work with enterprise but we want to work with early enterprises and, and like funded startups because that's the fun stuff where we can innovate and give high impact. That's just our kind of our sweet spot, right? So I think that's really uh, proven over popular. And it, and like I said, uh, don't get caught up in the emotions and the fun stuff in the business. Take the time because then you're just gonna it's gonna cost you in the long run, right? Um, and I think if someone's a a coach or a mentor or something like that, make sure they've actually delivered results. Um, and they should be to provide those. So and there's so much noise out that. there with people who are. I'm going to write a book and then I'm going to land on the map. <laughs> and then they're trying to do all this convincing that they are who we need to use as a, a consultant or a guide or a coach, mm. only to find out that when you've made also, that commitment, uh, there there isn't a lot behind yeah, what they've borrowed to well, write in this that's book. A, that, but I, I have something I love thinking, saying with that, right? So what people do not realize, right, is that entire category of, of, of coaches is segmented at early stage, naive, non-developed right. businesses, right? So the non-developed founder will buy into a short-term solution. So therefore they need that person that gets them excited for a quick close because a long-term solution takes time, effort, mm -hmm. and resources. And you have to make a commitment as a, as a, as a leader to something that's it's hard. So a lot of times they'll get early friction with the qualified person that's actually the one that could get the job done for them and choose the non-qualified solution because it was easier to sign up. So, like, yeah. that's not the target market that we want. Right. We target what I think is the most valuable part of America. It's not enterprise. Enterprise is slow. They make you lose money before you make money, and they want to pay you three months, six months later. With middle market, this is where the wealth is. When you see those houses on the cliffside, it's not the director or VP of a company that can afford them. It's the middle market companies that are not publicly traded that are doing 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million a year, and there's a lot of those. Mm -hmm. Those companies, I find, we can implement fast. They're really into the details. The founders have established themselves. They have a good leadership. You can get a deal done quickly. You get larger contracts as well because you can do a value-based sale. With a larger enterprise, they're always going to water down your delivery, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to water down the value. Lean and hide behind a logo. Our target customers are companies that are, hey, we have achieved great success, but maybe we've done something the same way for too long. 
or we've achieved great success, but there's a lot of corners that we cut to get here. Let's start turning into profit. So that's the type of thing where that person's not going to fall victim to a motivational coach. They're going to, because that person's going to get danced around the room. With with our clients, they're coming for something that they want depth, Mm -hmm. and that's what we bring. And one one thing I'll add to that is, uh, and I'm not going to take away from some some people's favorite person, the people like, but Tony Robbins, the Gary V's, um, they can deliver and they have the ability to answer the, for the right people to get some results for them. But most people that they're targeting for that extra money and funds and the things that we see the most of are not the solutions they're providing the businesses, right? And this, and Nathan knows very intimately growth marketing, growth hacking, and like how to move a room. But people go to these, spend like $8,000, go to these conferences, get inspired, get emotions, endorphins going, like the lights, the staging. It's, it's an entertainment, it's an experience. But they can't really afford the mastermind to deliver what they think they're going to get in one like conference, right? And these people, they don't even give them enough to know who to talk to, right? So I think you got to know, it's up to you as an individual too, to know what you're going to people for. If you're going to like a Tony Robbins, knowing that you're a business to get the motivational part, great. But don't expect, you know, don't get fed into the part where you think you go to a conference, you're going to come out a business expert. You have to, it's up to, it's kind of up to you. And unfortunately, like, you know, those people market really well, right? Um, and I think that uh, doesn't mean they're not capable, but it's the reason I work with a lot of large enterprises, you know, and some, you know, at least not for at the price point that you, a con- for conference, probably much bigger deals. But I think um, just know why you why you're looking for certain leaders and certain partnerships, and and that like just because someone someone's super popular and like you know everyone's going to them, then you should probably look into it because it means everyone should be getting rich, right? And I mean, if you look at the years before, then like is, is there a direct correlation to multimillionaires? That are in like there's some report or some going out saying people success from that. Those don't exist, and probably for, and for good reason, because uh, those conferences and things like that don't get you those kind of results. So I think it's important, you know, for us. I think no matter what, we're always going to have some kind of service or some kind of resource. If I had all the money in the world and resources right now, I would give away the top accelerator and self help stuff for free, because the stuff I enjoy doing is the big problems, right? You know, we want to be there, kind of like a SEAL Team Six when you have the biggest challenges and you go and come work with us when you when you need that support. But we want you to have a good foundation so we can do what we want to do. So that's something we're going to be giving away is a, a lot of free information and resources as we scale. Um, so you don't get away at 2 to 1% of your business. And then, like, you know, the right accelerators, the right people have to level up to deliver real value, right? And that's kind of one of my goals. Mm-hmm. I love that because realistically, a lot of people do need to deliver more value. I mean, there's a lot of accelerator programs, venture programs that are kind of interesting, right? A lot of times when I see these programs is it's people teaching people how to build a business that never built one. It's really interesting. Even the VC ecosystem, it's like, man, not nine out of 10 startups fail. That means you, you have bad partners because the founders aren't unqualified. They just don't get qualified partners a lot of times. So I think, and it's a capital game. Money can hide a lack of aptitude. And I think I've experienced this quite a bit, even lately, right? I've worked with like different clients and you start to learn something like you'll have a really famous popular client, but they don't have the profit or the value underneath it you pop the hood and you're like there's no engine in there <laughs> it's so it's like it's nice and shiny on the outside but like that's a lot of things you got to look into be really really diligent when like looking in your client make them qualify as well right and i think you get better results and then um like what saul said too is when you're really like looking for something or even looking to provide a service if your client doesn't have a clear scope of what their needs are you don't want that client because hmm. now you're going to put in a lot of upfront work trying to get them ready to move. But if they didn't do it in the first place, why would they do it after you did it for them? Even if they're willing to pay you to do it sometimes, right? You're going to constantly have to drag them versus ha- having to run with them. Mm-hmm. 
So who is a great client for you? I, I love the the analogy you just gave around, you know, looking in, in the, <laughs> under the hood and going, yeah, I'm not seeing anything here. <laughs> All right, next. I mean, is, who do you, who are you listening for? What are you watching for when you are saying yes to folks coming in and, and being clients for Let's Scale? Um, for us, it's like, you know, our biggest thing is just having a conversation, right? I make a point to connect with one new person every day I haven't talked to. I think the whole point is um, our clients have, like I said, they have some clearly defined objectives, you know, at least a three-year plan or an idea where they want to go. Um, they have a proven product or service. They're bringing in revenue um, or they're about to get capital and they want to have a good foundation to get access to our resources. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the biggest benefit of when people talk about like a college, I think you think about Stanford, Yale, MIT, those schools, it's not even about the college, it's about the network and access you get, which can set a foundation and open doors and accelerate everything, right? And we've gone through the top accelerators in the world, plug-and-play, tech, largest corporate deal flow accelerator, uh, generator uh, based out of Wisconsin, uh, Gold Star Accelerator, and also even internationally, uh, Web Summit, the largest tech conference and um, kind of partial, like, accelerator for tech and enterprise, like, kind of deals. Um, and, like, now we have all those connections, right? But we're willing to share them and connect our, our clients to it. So when they work with us, they're getting access to a whole ecosystem and, like, really endless opportunities and insight, you know, and I think a blind leap of faith with a consultant's always better better with a consultant than by yourself. So I think our clients, one, they have success, have some clearly defined objectives. They are doing good and they already want to maintain it because business is very competitive, right? Like, you know, you want to uh, also know what kind of what's going on innovating. So our clients, and they also have to trust us. Like, mm-hmm. and we, and I, we personally only work with businesses that are doing good things, like I said. And one thing I measure when I talk to a founder uh, is ambition. You know, the you wrong, spoke to that just a yeah. bit ago, right? Yes. The wrong ambition will close doors faster than prejudice, right? So when like the money and the bottom line becoming for the people and like the re, like and, and also the customers, then then not, then we we won't work with you, right? And because it's a legacy company, you know, really just the way same as um as a uh, as Lux Group, we can be really selective about who we work with, and um and that's because like you know, I was you know I'm probably jumping ahead of myself, but I say like you know let's scale if people want to remember us for anything. When we remember it as a business that brought people together, supported founders, mm-hmm. supported the community, and we think they did consulting or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like I said, because who we're being, the impact, the legacy is what, what we focus on. Um, and I think, you know, the right clients want to partner with us and, like, you know, our testimonials and and working with a few clients and, you know, being selective of who we bring in our community and the impact we have and then uh, watching them just create mm-hmm. other opportunities for other people is uh, so important to us. And like I said, uh, you know, that's, 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 that's how we look at it, kind of how we select our clients. Uh, but really just, I think, having a conversation, because even at least I still refer and some people, we have some, because we're at any stage, right? And we're not, like I said, we're not looking to sell. We're looking for the right matches. But if you take the time to connect with us, we're definitely going to do what we can to support you. Ambition, yeah. a plan, at least a structure, the bones. And like <laughs> the, the understanding of when we look for a client, like everyone needs to have this conversation rather be hiring a vendor or are you hiring a client it's am i a rabbit deer or a whale for you oh, and what are you for me those three tiers okay speak to that so we've learned this through technology accelerators and if the, the fastest way to growth is to understand what your rabbit deer and whale opportunities are rather be a customer vendor anything a rabbit is as a wolf i could catch a rabbit it's, it's going to be a little bit tricky or whatever but i can get it but it's only going to feed me for a little while, maybe a day, maybe two. I need to eat a lot of rabbits to be able to, like, sustain myself. But if I'm moving along and all of a sudden I'm eating these rabbits because if I don't eat enough rabbits, I can't catch the deer. So I need to eat the rabbits, but now I see the deer. All right, do how many deer do I need to eat a year to be able to sustain myself? Probably not a whole lot. 
so I can eat enough rabbits, catch me a deer. It'll sustain me longer. So then I can maybe focus and grow myself, get my energy, get my bit, my body built up and I'll eat less rabbits. I can catch more deer now because I'm stronger. Mm -hmm. So now I'm still eating a little rabbits, not too many, mainly the deer. And I'm eating them in between. I can focus more on the meal and getting the bigger buckheads. But then all of a sudden I'm mighty. And it's time for me to go and swim out to sea, and I'm going to go catch a whale. So that's the time when you've you got to be ready for that, though, because a whale is going to take you like Moby Dick. It's going to take you months. Sometimes it can take you years to close, but you can't just go out at sea without any food. So you got to store up all that energy and take some of that with you and go out and catch that whale. So like, if you have that conversation with yourself when you think about the client and say, hey, this is a rabbit client, but it could turn into a deer or a whale. So let me grab them early. Mm. And then you got to ask the customer, as a service provider, what am I to you? Where do I rank in your priority list? Mm -hmm. Because if, I, if you're a whale for me and I'm a rabbit to you, then we're off balance. Mm. So that's kind of how I think and about this it. A, and a good way to carry off an eight and saying this is how we, we think very similar but different too. Because uh, you can catch the rabbits by yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You know? But we start getting to the deer. And like and look at and what this really stands for, just to make it easier for some people um, listening, is that, you know, your business needs food on the table, and so and so do you at the house, right? You put those numbers together, those costs that don't go anywhere, that's your sales target, your sales goal, mm -hmm. right? And if you start looking at your business and your rabbits aren't really getting, like, feeding, putting enough food on both tables, then, you gotta, then it's going to force you to innovate and see what else you can create, mm -hmm. which might be a deer solution. That deer, a deer solution, right, would require maybe a team. Now you need maybe to partner with, like, two other two or three other wolves that successfully know how to get rabbits right and now but now you guys are successful together it may require some conversation together to, to close those deals and to to accomplish that goal but then when you go after the will it's going to require a much bigger a pack. team pack more innovation right um but the but the thing is like if you guys start if you start off trying to go for those wells you're going to starve to death you're not going to have a team the things around you that you need right but all these things are developed from the foundation of knowing, like, profit loss. Like, what do I need to know? What do I need to know? What's my foundation of my business, right? Mm -hmm. You should be working towards that, right? Some people don't even know, like, their margins and, like, what their goals are. And the rabbit ears and wells is a good thing. And, like, if you're vegan, you can t maybe use vegetables. So, <laughs> Not as have, fun. Not as sexy. I don't have that analogy. Maybe it's insects, pollen. Just, just, stay, just stay with me. But, uh, <laughs> the we'll carnivore stick, version. We'll the hunter-gatherer mentality. But it's also, I mean, I've give, like, given people this talk. Like someone reached out to me last, like a few weeks ago, uh, starting like a kind of accelerator incubator, and he was trying to figure out some services. And he called me. He's like doing a couple thousand a month. But he put this rabbit deer well together. He did 10K the next month for one call because he just really— structured his deals a little different. Now he has more clients than he knows to do with in the sense that the problem now is like his solutions are too customized. So he ran into a bottleneck, but now he's working towards that. And I, I, would, I would gamble that, I bet you the next month or two, once he structures that a different way, which I recommend, I told him, uh, make that more, more of a standardized, more of the class and get more people in there and customize some of it. I guarantee his revenue is going to increase. But he just simply thought about like, okay, rabbit deer, well, what is that? What am I selling? And then he put something together, offered it. People are already buying in. And then I, I, he's randomly called me. I said, wow, I'm glad you got some value out of that simple analogy. And that's something we learned to Accelerator. I don't think it's worth 5% of your business, but <laughs> it's useful. <laughs> yeah. When is it worth 5% of your business? Uh, it, it depends. Almost I wouldn't say it's never. not. Almost, <laughs> yeah. Did you say almost never? Information is not worth equity. Okay. Right? Talk that's what about I would that. say. 
I mean, for me, because all I realize is access to information that should be free is is the barrier between people being able to get access to capital is financial literacy, right? So they keep financial literacy away from people, and then they exchange that literacy for for equity at, by watering down your value. So instead of that, why don't we allow those people to resources and financial literacy to be accessible for mm-hmm. everybody? And therefore, when a deal is structured, it's a partnership. An early stage investor is a, should be a partner, not a check. They need to be engaged. They need to be actively figuring out how to hunt for you, door knock for you, or open doors. So that's when it's like, all right, now I'll give you some equity. Yeah. Because now you've made me money. I can actually tangibly write this down. If you say, hey, I want 5% of your business for a book, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But if I want 5% of your business and I'm going to bring you 5 to 10 deals, I'm also going to give you a check to be able to execute on those deals. Now we've got a clear path to victory. Now it's not a 9 out of 10 uh, opportunity for me to fail. It's not a 10 opportunity for me to win because there's a deal baked in and somebody to help guide me along the way while I focus on the execution of the core product. Mm-hmm. That's when it's worth equity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To add to that? No, 100% agree, man. Uh, I'm a soft sledgehammer, man. Nathan's more like the vision and the, the nice guy. <laughs> it's a beautiful dynamic. Yeah. I know you already so know like, that, um, of course. I'm a driver. Um, like I said, that guy gave me the, com- the connection to the community. So, you know, I do all this, a lot of personality assessments and, we're glad behavioral scientists and like statistically, I'm unhirable in a person no one wants to work with, right? <laughs> but when it comes to the, the, but my desire for community is over everything else. So it kind of balances me out. And I think that's what makes me a really good driver, you know, because once something's in place, accountability, like meeting expectations is something that I kind of like definitely track and stay on top of, but also asking the right questions. And I think that, you know, when you go to an accelerator, it really depends on what you think you can get out of it and what you want to give, right? Um, and most accelerators are probably like 1.7%, like usually like, you know, five is not usually like what they're asking for. Um, but what we were saying is like, it's really important for you to know the value and then, and then you get an investor, not for a check, cause that's not going to help. You're going to just run out of money without a plan. Mm-hmm. And I think that having that foundation is really important, but the right investors, they work for you, but they're also going to come in the areas where they said their experience, you know, like they may see like a differentiation or an opportunity in the market that you're going into that they may have been in where like, for example, maybe you can take a competitor's. Uh, business consistently, and then they will be forced to acquire you, right? Like it just—it really—it really just uh, depends on on really this normal direction you want to go in, being in those right communities. And then um, I think one thing that we learned is it's so important um, to be vulnerable and share re- where you're really at and what mm-hmm. you really need. And the right people are gonna start supporting you before mm-hmm. they get something from you. And I think there's three types of people um, that we like we interact with, right? One is the person that kind of wants to take and get whatever he can out of the business is the person who wants a part of it and they want, they're willing to invest and be a, par- a partner with you, uh, support you along that journey. And that's fair. I mean, I'll make a fair trade. Like they, that's kind of the person they's talking about. Like, Hey, we can, we can win together, uh, but I'm also looking to profit from this. And there's people who are going to support everything you do regardless mm-hmm. because uh, the right investors invest in you as a person. Like, cause this person going to do, I want to be a part of whatever they're going to do. Cause they're going to do a great thing mm-hmm. or you just believe in you. And those are the ones you got to be the most mindful and respectful of when you um, use them as a resource. Cause people tend to go to that, that last group first then they burn bridges and, and like they didn't put the work in and then you lose like your biggest fans, the biggest supporters. And those people that you also should be mm-hmm. like pushing the least on. You should be really putting a lot more accountability in person that cut a check and is working with you. And then really vetting deeply that person that might have been popular, but not proven that you're like mm-hmm. giving the case to the kingdom with too soon because they made you feel a certain way. So that's kind of how I'm... Yeah, and I think another thing, too, you can do is... I'm going to use a real-life example of a deal I just did. Mm -hmm. So, and I won't say the deal exactly, but you'll see in a few days. (laughs) Uh, So, 
basically the way the deal works is like, hey, I, I'm a one-person-owned restaurant. Open up my first place. And I didn't figure out who is my partner for scale, right? I can do $5 million a year in one place, but how do I open five locations, 10 locations? The, the information wasn't out there. So what I found out through just grinding and building connections is that, wait, I could take a property owner who has a piece of real estate and do a deal with them where they get a piece of the revenue in the business. Because the thing with a property only has a cap on how much earnings they can they can make. The only way they make more is if they raise your rent. So instead, hmm. let's structure a deal like this. And I found out everyone does this all across the country. McDonald's do this. It's like, hey, real estate person, I'm going to give you equity in the actual restaurant. Now you're going to give me some equity in the property. You increase cash flow. You de-risk me. We do a 20-year lease because you're both part owners in each business. You've now got a scalable business. Now you get some tenant improvement dollars. Now, each person is exchanging dollars, equity, and value. Each person has a higher earnings potential month mm -hmm. over month, but de-risking it at the same time. Mm -hmm. So now I'm not looking for an investor. I'm looking for a partner because I have value. You have value. You want to make money. I want to make money. That's a deal that scales. Now everybody grows, and then you can bring more partners into a proven process. So those are the types of deals that only work for sophisticated business owners, but that's the people we want to work with, where those are things where it's like, hey, I don't need to go raise $20 million to open 10 locations. That doesn't make sense. Instead, how do I get to that same result with the least amount of friction? Hmm. Those are the types of partnerships yeah. you want. I mean, I'm on the same point with Nathan there as far as those uh, types of partners, those deals, and the right people will get it. Um, and, I, and like I said, like, and that's, I think that's the thing. Like, a lot of stuff we do is behind the scenes, right? Especially me. Like, this right, being on this radio station, anything like that, it's like, I'm more, I'd rather put someone else on the stage and, like, let them kind of do their thing. But, you know, I've been called more to share my story, and people say I have some things I should share to add value to other people. Uh, so that's kind of why we're here right now. But I think it's really, like I said, that's why we want to have conversations because I'm actually more of a structured thinker, right? Uh, where in a very short period of time, I feel comfortable giving a potential solution, but I don't have to necessarily experience it and dive as much into it. But there's importance in having design thinking and structured thinking, right? Because together, mm -hmm. they both can solve the same problems. It's a different approach. Uh, one wants to touch it, feel it, and, and like, Make sure it's right a little bit in a different kind of way. But I think we come together, like what Nate's saying is, uh, yeah, having those right partners and that level of client. But I'm just saying, like, I think it's really just uh, having a conversation because, like, in a, in a short period of time, it's a lot of stuff we know, we, but we don't know we know it until someone reaches out. So mm -hmm. we just want to connect more businesses, like, so we can help them thrive, not just survive. And I think people are just aren't aware of what we're doing and who we are. Um, but it's the reason we have, like, a really a perfect track record of uh, delivery and, like, relationships when we work with people because we take it serious and we won't say yes to something we can't do mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. can we talk about the community that you've created here in the metro phoenix area it's been how many years that y'all have been working on it here how in arizona here? for which one for, for arizona oh, just, oh everything yeah oh, oh, so, seven, seven years, years now yeah, yeah. okay we've heard longer than milwaukee now right that's what i was that, that's what i was curious <laughs> has true. it been longer than milwaukee yeah uh, otherwise yeah we, we grew up in racine wisconsin but yeah i think we have been here now and are can you speak to any of the have there been challenges? I mean, clearly everything you've shared so far, I'm just leaning in and going, holy cow, right? These are these are people that are guides and leaders and making a difference because of not only your servant leadership, but the community and tapping into those resources and your insatiable desire to continue to grow within yourselves, both spiritually, emotionally, mm -hmm. mentally, and of course financially. Have there been challenges along the way? And and have Absolutely. any been uh, in relationship to the greater Phoenix area specifically? We may have tried different different feedback. <laughs> we, do, we, do, we do different things, right, what, for right. our businesses. But for me, um, 
Phoenix is getting the best version of myself, right? I'm coming here at a place where I'm, where, but the good thing is like things are easier to execute on. People get it. It's kind of more of a West Coast kind of thing, right? If it makes sense, they're not they're willing to invest and grow. Uh, whereas where we're from, you know, not taking anything away from Wisconsin, kind of people want to work with their dad's person or have more control over things, which slows innovation. And you can hear how we think. We like we need to be able to kind of implement and try things um, pretty fast. But I think community-wise, all this opportunity, all this opportunities to have fun and stuff, really just had to really challenge myself, commit to being better. Like for, I think I'm at four years. I haven't drank now. Um, don't do anything else. But I'm still out there interacting with my friends, right? And like I said, it goes back to how it all started. You know, how can I be a guy? And and, and like, you know, it's like I'm about to go through. Nate's experiences are pretty awesome and intense, but our friends are also have a lot of energy. And there's only enough Red Bull, so much Red Bull in the world. <laughs> but I'm going to be at all those events participating in like, but really the, the connections, right? And just I'm more present than I ever have been. Mm-hmm. And I think the challenge, like I said, is uh, there's so many groups and there's so many things going on. Um, it's just where to spend your time, where to put your energy. And you, you only can do like maybe three communities at a time, right? One is the tech council. Uh, with Nathan supporting that growth in the city. Mm-hmm. The other one is a, a community uh, called C-Suite for Christ. It's a community of Christian business executives. We're going to bring about 100 Christian business owners together on uh, February 29th, or sorry, March 29th, just to fellowship and support there. And then really just uh, my neighbors in Austin, like really my uh, church community, right? Just um, just impacting. I'm, we, I love serving, love charities. Um, and I think just really just uh, I had to put a halt on my networking, right? Like uh, you can network and have way too much fun not working on your business. I think the challenge here is like there is so much moving that it's really, I really had to dial it in and be like, this is the focus right now. There's going to be a lot of great things going to come in front of you, but you just you can't do it all. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I Coming into 2023, I had to take a look at where was I spending and spreading my time and what is really helping me to reach my mm-hmm. goals <laughs> and be the example to my son and, of course, growing the business. And I, I have already said no to three or four things that I had been committed to for the last three or four years. Yeah. The decision was difficult until I had it in front of me. And then the second I said, hey, here's where I'm at. I'm moving forward. I'm saying, oh, mm-hmm. thank goodness. Yeah. And now the opportunity yeah. for me to continue to show up where I need to show up, it's it's magical. Yeah. 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 Thank you for speaking to that. Mm-hmm. What what comes up for you as we talk about that? I think it's the nature of, of my businesses is that they, so a lot of businesses, right? You can, if you want to start and do business in a city, you could just go there and, and go start working from home, Right. Because of my businesses, some have physical places. Some require me to take structures that were never existing and build them in the middle of like lots or, or, or places. I do things that are really, really big. So I had to relearn all the laws, the policies, the rules, meet sure. the mayors, meet the, the council people, meet everything. Because when you first come to a city and you're making a lot of noise, like, who is this person? <laughs> who are you? You better get down here right now or I'm going to you know, make things a little bit more difficult. <laughs> then I found out that I just needed to con- connect with people the same as in Milwaukee. What made me separate myself from everybody in my age group is by the time I was eight years old, 18 years old, I'm there in the room listening to my alderman speak, listening to mayor speak. And I spent the time to really understand. So, mm-hmm. hey, I need to get a liquor license. Like, how does that process work? Well, first you got to be 21. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> no, but like I learned all these things. And uh, so that was the thing is like when I got here, I had to start that over, but it was great. It was great though because it forced me to get to outside of my comfort zone. When I first moved here, I was pretty much alone every day. You know, I was by myself first because I had a vacation home here with before I moved here, and I would just go to networking events. And by the end, I just learned the nuances. And now I can call anybody. I know how to do it. I know what to do. I know how to move. And now you can grow. But I think really, it's just like whenever you when a business owner thinks about growing a national brand. 
you have to think about how do you do that over and over and over and over again in every city you drop in and how do you do it faster? And what happens is you just daisy chain. So now when we go to LA or we go to the next city, I don't got to start over. I'm like, hey, I need to meet this person, this person, this person, this person. Here's the grid of contacts I need to make in the city to be able to get my business through. Yeah. It's just different, you yeah. know? So much fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my mind is also just racing. Uh, clearly, you guys are doing it right and doing it well and being of great service to uh, businesses and families. So thank you for that. Tell us, um, you've, you've shared a couple of the events that are coming up. So as we wind, wind up our conversation today, let us know what's coming up, dates if you have them, and then how people can stay in touch with you so that they can register for these events. And then uh, I'll ask the next question after that. Yep, um, well, I'll say, uh, well, we got some really cool stuff obviously coming up this week with uh uh, the Lux Group with uh, Lux Festival. They speak to that. And for us, um, we're just really looking to connect with uh, the right clients, right individuals uh, early in the year um, so they can get the most impact over the next 12 months. Um, I think, you know, if some people might have a plan in place, and hopefully they do, but it's, I'm sure we can add some value. And the next thing I'll say, too, is uh, one thing we're really proud of, I think you put your money where your heart is, right? Um, so even indirectly, like we give 10% of our profits and revenue um, first to local churches and charities. I think that that's, just something that's, I think, is special about us and that we're proud to just admit is that, like, you know, service is built into our business at the core, right? And I think, um, you know, so I really want to connect people who want to partner with someone that they can trust, that they know is going to be there, that has proven success, and that um, at the end of the day, it's all about us adding value and benefit individuals. And sometimes that might lead to us pointing someone out in a different direction and maybe a few years later they want to work with us. But the whole point is, you know, we want the right people to thrive, not just survive, especially if they're serving their community. So that's really a big thing for us. Yeah, I mean, uh, for us, I think, you know, if you want to see what we're doing, you can go to our website. It's uh, luxlife.com. It's two L's, so L-L-U-X-L-I-F-E.com. And you'll see a lot of the different work we do from bringing out celebrity clients to doing our events. But if you click our work, you'll see the events we have coming up this week. And we've got everyone from Little John to Loud Luxury flying in and all this huge festival. Uh, we got about 50,000 square feet downtown Phoenix uh, that makes up the heart of that whole Super Bowl experience zone. So we're right next to Frito-Lay. And uh, the whole weekend, we're going to be having all these concerts and all these experiences. You're going to see that on the front end. But the deeper part is what we're doing in the during the day. So we have a lot of executive events. We're going to ribbon cutting tomorrow morning in Tempe for Slam uh, Foundation. Uh, it's Pitbull's Foundation. He launched the first ever free charter schools right here in Arizona. And one of our partners is a partner in that deal with him. So we're going to have that ribbon cutting tomorrow. And throughout the entire week, we have Hall of Famers working with the Hall of Fame party and a lot of groups to really bring all these iconic people around to showcase what Scottsdale has to offer. So if you are out and about this week, yeah, it's great to go to all the, the events and go get some tickets and see a concert. I'm all about that. I'll be there. But if you're a business leader, I have some of the most powerful people in the world in town this week, and I want them to meet great people. So if you have some people that you you want to connect with in the city this week, probably got a line to them, so reach out. So good. And then um, how to connect, I guess, uh, the best way for me is uh, LinkedIn. So it's just Saul Sutton. Uh, on LinkedIn, definitely uh, pretty responsive there. Or you can email me at uh, Saul at uh, letscale.co. Um, and I'm always looking to have a conversation, like, you know, um, and just kind of start from there. 
I feel so honored to have mm. both of you uh, in this conversation. Again, shout out to Jesse Ray for getting yeah, us connected originally. And it's a busy week. We mentioned that before we even got on air. Uh, so thank you for your time, your wisdom, and friendship. I really appreciate both of you taking time Thanks to come out and share us, yeah. your story Thanks today. Sorry. Thank you. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona. Some media leans left, some lean right. We lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening.